0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to another edition of the On the Rocks podcast, brought to you by BetSafe Colorado. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman, joined as usual by my colleague Patrick Saunders. We've got a packed show for you here today. We're going to be putting our GM hats on and looking ahead towards the August first trade deadline, saying who we shop, who would we not shop. And then we're going to be looking at a falling star and a rising star, Chris Bryant's performance this year, especially relative to his contract and Ezekiel Tovar's performance as one of the youngest Rockies ever, the youngest Rocky to ever debut when he did at the beginning of the season. He's gone through some bumps and and bruises, but coming out the other side, we think we'll analyze that a little bit. So Patrick, let's just start off uh, by pl- playing Bill Schmidt, right? You know, the trade deadline still weighs off, but as you pointed out, it's after Memorial Day. The team is floundering. It's time to, uh, just like when the Broncos are sucking midseason, look towards the draft. It's now time for us to look towards the trade deadline. So let's kick off the combo. Who's on the top of your list that you would try and be shopping if you're Bill Schmidt?
1: Yeah, well, I think first of all, we need to, to uh, couch this or set this up. We know the Rockies in the past Kyle have been reluctant to trade guys even though we, their contracts were coming to an end uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, Trevor Story and John Gray certainly come to mind. Uh, Bill Schmidt has defended both of those decisions saying they didn't get enough uh, in return. And in both those instances, they were still trying to get those guys to stay in the fold. I dis- disagree with that explanation. Two pretty prime players walked to be a free agency, and the Rockies didn't get anything. Uh, now, I'm not saying you just give guys away, but given that this team, whether they want to met- say it publicly or not, is in, a, is in a rebuild, they've got a mess of guys on one-year deals right now that are go- those deals are going to expire at the end of this year. And come August 1st or before then, Kyle, I'm not saying they have to trade all of them, but they should trade most of them. If that means they take their lumps, then they take their lumps. And we see some of the young players come up. Uh, You can't dump everybody. You can't have a team completely full of prospects or rookies. But if you get a decent deal, you got to trade some of these guys. Um, And I'm going to throw a name out there right off the top. Uh, because I think he's the guy that can get the most for, but it would be risky. And that'd be catcher Elias Diaz. Probably the Rockies' only all-star, right? He's playing great. Uh, he's got terrific skills. He's finally honing them. Uh, um, he's hitting. Uh, he's one of the league leaders in average. He's one of the league leaders in hitting with runners in scoring position maybe he hasn't slugged as many home runs as as in the past, but he's been, he's been an all-star worthy. So if another team comes after you, Kyle and says, listen, the one guy we're interested in is Elias Diaz, your catcher, who I believe his contract goes through 2024. So he has one more year. uh, What would you do? Would you consider it if they gave you, you know, a good pitching prospect in return and, you know, something else, would you consider it?
0: Well, I will answer you here, Patrick, by first couching my own reply. And that is to say that if I'm Bill Schmidt, I'm trying to be hyper aggressive ahead of this trade deadline with flipping whatever I can for as much starting pitching prospect depth as I can. We, we've already seen this year, the starting pitching prospect pool is slim yes it's it's better in the lower minors you got especially you got some guys on the position side still coming up but this organization needs more starting pitching prospects period and preferably some prospects who are less prospect and more proven i.e they've maybe shown some gusto in double a or maybe even triple a or high a at least you got to get some of those guys in return so to answer your question Yes, I am fielding any and all calls, and I'm sure Bill Schmidt is fielding many calls. How how much he and the Rockies front office are seriously considering any offers is another matter. But if I'm getting calls for Elias Diaz, I am absolutely open to trading him, and I'm looking to get at least a couple uh, prospects, starting pitching prospects in return. Like you gotta you gotta start. You know, you mentioned. Trevor Story and John Gray, you got to start flipping some of these guys to help your minor league system because you can't just do it on the draft alone. I mean, even for a draft and build organization, you're going to have to make some shrewd moves at some point. And at a point where you're in a season that doesn't mean anything, you know, like you said, Patrick, you don't want to go full Oakland A's on us, but that's a whole other thing of, intentionally losing and driving up the ticket prices to try and relocate. But we know the Mofferts want to stay here. We know they want to keep the fans happy. Chris Bryant's home runs aren't cutting it. Um, but everyone that goes to the stadium this year, and you've been documenting the attendance, knows full well this team is not going to c- going to compete. I don't think selling Elias Diaz off for a couple prospects is going to change that. Um, and if anything, maybe it'll excite the fan base, give us some hope them some hope that there potentially could be some winning seasons on the near horizon sometime in the next few years. Long-winded answer, but yes, I'm considering shopping Elias Diaz. And then I'm also considering any and all offers for an all-time Rocky and Charlie Blackman last year of his deal. um, Obviously who knows what you could get for him, but maybe from a team that's in contention that is looking for a bat off the bench uh, obviously the universal DH that puts all the teams in play where Blackman could go. I think the Rockies should seriously consider trying to get something for Chuck Nasty as well.
1: That's a really good point about Charlie. Um, let's get back to Diaz for a second. I can play devil's advocate because I, uh, I agree that if now I'm not saying you give him away because it's a very team friendly contract, right? Uh, but if there's somebody you know, you don't know a contender might really, really need a catcher, and you might be able to get something to deadline uh, where you're going to get something good in return if somebody gets injured or a team is really hurting for a catcher. To play devil's advocate about Diaz, uh, a couple things come to my mind, and I imagine this is how Bud Black, if he listened to this podcast over podcast we were talking to, he would counter with the idea of, catching is so important to a major league club. And as they're trying to develop these young pitchers who are coming up and wean them, they need somebody behind the plate to help them learn. So I'm not saying I necessarily would nix a deal for Diaz because of that, but that would be one of the arguments to keep him that they really don't have anybody else, uh, not just at the plate, but behind the plate right now, who's, uh, you know, Austin wins is fine, but he's not going to be somebody compelling. Uh, and Drew Romo's certainly not ready.
0: Well, uh, well yeah. So but... that,
1: would be, that would be kind of the counter argument that I, I imagine Bud Black and some of the others would say, listen, yeah, we understand getting prospects, but you have to have some stability on the team right now. And Diaz is one of our most stable pieces. I'm not saying that that is the reason you don't trade him. I'm just playing devil's
0: advocate. True. Um, to play the Devil's Advocate, to your Devil's ag- Advocate, I would say, with my GM head on, respectfully, buddy, it's not about this season. Our rotation's are already in disarray. We'll plug in Wins, whom obviously they acquired off the scrap heap. We'll call up Brian Servan from AAA. He'll be the backup and part-timer. And then we'll just cross our fingers and hope and pray for Drew Romo to just rapidly accelerate this summer and somehow be ready to maybe try and make the team next spring. Like they, I mean, like they've kind of asked of a lot of their prospects, i.e. Ezekiel Tovar, like, okay, Oh, he's looking good in high A, double A. Okay. Accelerate, accelerate. Okay. He's ready. We need him now. Um, yeah. And so that's yeah, that's the band aid. But then like, again, do you rush another prospect along? By... Well, yeah,
1: I agree. And the, the <laughs> thing, and the thing with Drew Romo, for all the hype and all the talent and everything we've heard about him, he's at Double A uh, Hartford right now. Uh, I'm hearing he's he's still been a good game caller, etc. Not hitting worth a lick. He's a, a little above the Mendoza line. He's last hitting two zero
0: eight. Hitting two zero eight. Yep.
1: Yeah. So he's he is. You know that that's not that unusual. Uh, catchers who hit pretty good, maybe in the three hundreds with some power in the lower minors. Uh, as competition heats up, and they have more on their plate, particularly game calling responsibilities. Uh, they tend to they tend to fade a little bit, but uh, you know, I, I I thought there was an outside outside chance Drew Romo might actually make his debut at the end of this year. I don't see that happening now. Right. Anyway. Uh, to your point about Chuck Nasty, uh, I've had conversations with Charlie in the past, uh, knowing this is his last year his contract, knowing that he'll be 37 on July 1st. Um, I don't know if Charlie's going to retire or not. You know, he, he doesn't like to go there in conversation. I talked to him in January. I asked him that question, and he basically said, you know, not ready to go there. I still think I can perform. You know, his power days for the most part are you know, they're in the past. He's still a good solid player. Uh he can, you know, he can play an okay outfield. Uh he's still can run the bases okay, and he's a good hitter still. So if I'm the Rockies and somebody as you to your point inquires about Charlie Blackman, and from what I've been told, there have been very few inquiries about him at all. Mm. Now that could change. But if somebody says, listen, we're going to give you a couple of decent prospects or one pitching prospect for Charlie Blackman and Charlie says, okay, Hey, I don't think you're going to hurt Charlie's feelings. If you send him somewhere to a contender with a chance at the end of his career, toward the end of his career, you know, to play in the playoffs again, because I don't think that's happening here was certainly not happening this year. And I don't think it's happening next year. Charlie, is at the end of his contract. Uh, I think you have to respect Charlie's wishes. I mean, he's a Colorado icon. I don't think you just, uh, I think he has a partial no-trade clause. But to your point, uh, if you can pull a, a sensible deal and Charlie's amenable to it, I would look into it. Now, the other guys, they've got a bunch of uh, other guys who are on the last year of the contract. Randall Gritchick who isn't hitting a lot of homers, but he's hitting really well right now. He could be somebody that somebody would want, right? Uh, Ertz and Profar, he's on a one-year deal. You know, he, he's done okay for himself. His, his on-base streak has been amazing. Uh, he started off really slow, but he's played okay. And then you've also got, uh, Brent Suter, the reliever. He's in the final year on a one-year deal. Um, I'm trying to think who else, uh, There are a number of guys who most likely are not going to be here next year. So maybe that was Bill Schmidt's plan all along, not only bolster the bullpen and the roster to give this team a chance to get a little better, but also knowing he can play those cards at the deadline and trade some of those guys if they prove themselves. So, you know, it's not like the cover's completely empty they have some pieces that i think they could trade what do you think about some of those names
0: yeah i think especially you know jerks and profar like you said i mean just a piece you just kind of added at the last minute oh and he's all of a sudden accumulated some market value why not you know why not trade a guy like that so uh definitely be looking at that, continuing to analyze it at denverpost.com slash rockies. Again, this is the On The Rocks podcast brought to you by BetSafe Colorado, co.betsafe.com. If your first bet loses, BetSafe will refund your bet up to $500, new customers only. Again, visit co.betsafe.com here on the On The Rocks podcast. So let's flip it to an underperforming player, a uh, by many metrics and a young player who is showing some promise and potentially living up to the exceedingly uh, high amount of hype that was placed on him coming into the season. So let's break down Chris Bryant first and then Ezekiel Tovar and Chris Bryant, you know, 180 some million, right? Dollar contract and he's paid to hit home runs and really he has become a singles hitter. the power chris bryant is in the past we talked about power chuck nasty being a bygone era certainly mvp chris bryant home run slugging chris bryant is in the past and it's kind of just a sunk cost at this point patrick i mean how would you assess chris bryant's second year here after a injury riddled loss first season
1: yeah disappointing for sure i mean let's get to the heart of it kyle In my mind, and always told me this, it's my opinion, uh, but I don't think there's any question, the driving force behind signing Chris Bryant uh, was not necessarily Bill Schmidt. I think it was owner Dick Monfort. And I think one of the reasons Dick Monfort wanted Chris Bryant is because he lost his star player, Nolan Arenado. Uh, Dick Monfort likes somebody he thinks are going to put fannies in the seats. Uh, He wants you know, kind of that all-American, you know, good guy player on his team that will put the ball over the wall and draw fans, et cetera. Well, Chris Bryant, so far, you mentioned the injuries last year, but this year, he told me very recently he is healthy. Uh, it's been massively disappointing. Uh, he's not hitting home runs. He's become kind of a glorified singles hitter. and For a guy who signed a seven-year, $182 million contract, largest free agent deal for a position player in rocky's history you expect the guy to be a star well right now he's not i mean he is he is he's almost an inconsequential player right now there are other players on this team who are, who are producing at a much higher level than chris bryant and he's he's mired in a really bad slump right now um and i don't know about you well here's a quick stat you know and, and i haven't updated it but Going into Tuesday night's game, uh, Kyle Bryant was in a 3-for-31 funk, so that's an 97 average. Uh, he was hitting 197 since May 5th, and he hasn't had a home run since May 7th uh, in New York at Citi Field against the Mets. Um, he has not been the power guy that the Rockies wanted him to be. And I wrote a story over the weekend, and it came back to haunt me a little bit because I mentioned Ryan McMahon and I mentioned Charlie Blackman, and lo and behold, the story goes and they go off and hit home runs. And <laughs> I look like an idiot. But hey, that's part as As Buddy Black would say, hey, that's me a baseball writer. Right?
0: Hey, no, right? Charlie put your article up in the clubhouse. He taped it up yeah. there, <laughs> highlighted. <laughs>
1: If only we mattered that much. Yeah, right? exactly. Chances are those guys never even saw. Oh me. no,
0: I guarantee you, Chuck nor RyMac ever read that or caught a yeah.
1: even a whiff. of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I, I talked to RyMac afterwards, and I told him essentially what I wrote, and and uh, after he uh, he got super super hot over the weekend against the Bats, I he said, uh, "Hey Patrick, you should write blank more often about me." And he was kidding, but he, he loved it. Uh, and Corey Little the the U head of Rock, had a media relations, came over to me too, he goes, man, you're the best reverse curse we've ever had, keep it going. <laughs> but, um, the reverse curse has not happened for Chris Bryant, I quoted him extensively the other day, my Sunday piece, and, you know, and he was just saying he feels good, and you know, for now he's content to hit line drives, and, but, I don't know, I just, he is just not, he's not a star. And, Aren't you supposed to be a star when you pay, get that kind of money for that long a deal? You're supposed to be, as Bill Schmidt said, the aircraft carrier of this team? He has not been, and it's been a real disappointment.
0: Well, and you know? I, okay, here is and here is in defense of Chris Bryant and aging ball players everywhere. And also...
1: What is he, 30 or 31 now?
0: Also, uh, he, he is 31 years old. 31 and a okay. half. Right. So... Just like as Ian Desmond pointed out one time, yeah, I, you know, they gave me that money. I'm not giving it back, okay? No, I'm not asking <laughs> to give it back. I, I'm not asking, I'm yeah. I'm just hit a, a home
1: run every once in a while. So,
0: but maybe, uh, you know, we, uh, the fans, we, the beat reporters, perhaps have uh, put an unfair onus on Chris Bryant because of the inflated contract that he received from the Rockies. Uh, for a, a player that was clearly past his prime, you know, when they got him, I mean, you look at his OPS, it's 7.719 719 this year, which is second career low when you look at the span of his career, except for 2020 with the Cubs, his last full season with the Cubs when he had a 644 OPS. In 2021, uh, with the Giants, he had a 788 OPS, so his, his power was declining, it was it was evaporating. I mean, Chicago probably knew that. And here come the Rockies and offer him a, offer him a hefty, hefty deal that just hasn't held water at all. Um, is it going to go up there with the Mike Hampton contract? I, I don't know. It's a little too early to say that, but it's looking pretty bad right now. And like you said, this is all driven by the marquee, a name on the marquee, not Moneyball and winning baseball games. So. Are we to, you know, is it Chris Bryant's fault that he took an awesome deal and he probably knew signing that deal, like, okay, I'm not going to be the MVP, but hopefully I can do something. But, yeah, the home runs are a little concerning. You know, that's where probably he was probably even expecting to hit more home runs than this. But what can you do? What can you do now if you're the Rockies? It's sunk costs, like I said.
1: Well, okay, one more stat to throw out there for people who are into numbers is uh, WRC plus, which is essentially a a weighted value, which takes in the account park factors, et cetera, uh, where 100 is average. Kyle, he's 88 right now. That's not good. That's the lowest of his career. Um, But the other thing I want to point out is, um, you know, and, and I know this sounds like we're piling on it, but come on. I mean, it's a business, right? And you're supposed to, you're supposed to, play up to your paycheck, right? I mean, that's the heart and soul of this business. Can you think of anything really that he has done in a Rockies uniform that makes you go, wow, a a walk-off, a great play in the outfield, a laser beam throw to home? Uh, Is there anything that makes you think, wow, well, when I got Chris Bryant coming up this next inning, there's still a chance. I haven't thought that once.
0: Yeah, that and that's right? a bad Last sign.
1: night, he, his first at-bat, he hits the ball like 107 miles an hour. I'm like, wow. And he's, he's, you know, a great swing. He's got a pretty swing. He does. And then he strikes out the next three at-bats, right? It's just, it's maddening, you know? And he, he's such a low-key guy. He's so polite. Uh, he knows how to dodge questions um, or if he doesn't dodge him, he certainly knows how to finesse him. Hey, um, more power to him! Um, but you know, I'm I, I'm sure. You know, he's on pace for 15 home runs. 15 home runs for a season
0: for a I mean, guy who on. plays at Coors Field. That's not yeah. Come on, ideal. right? Well, yeah. and, and the toughest part is looking ahead, Patrick. I mean, con- considering last year and the underperformance this year and then the Rockies on the hook for five more seasons of this at basically, you know, 27 million dollars next year and then 25, 26, 27, 20, 28 are all 26 million dollar uh, annual salaries. So that's a lot of money. Um I mean, boy, I
1: I mean, seriously, look at it. they're paying the Cardinals 16 million ostensibly for Nolan Arenado's contract this year. So you're paying 16 million for a guy who's not even here. Are you paying twenty eight billion million this year for a guy who's supposed to be your aircraft carrier? And he's performing like this? I'm sorry. Something's something's not right in in Lodo. That's all I'm saying.
0: On the Rocks podcast brought to you by BetsafeColorado, co.betsafe.com. If your first bet loses, Betsafe will refund your bet up to $500. New customers only. A few minutes left here in the show. Let's go and hint end on a high note here and talk about Ezekiel Tovar. As I mentioned at the top of the show, a lot of hype behind this guy, coming into spring training, coming into the season, him taking over shortstop, him being the youngest player to ever, ever debut for the Rockies. How do you think he's done? Great amount, Patrick, because he started a little rocky, as we anticipated, kind of settling into being a big league regular, but seeing a lot of signs, a lot of promise, and a lot of good things for the future as of late in his play
1: yeah I agree and, and you're right I think when we opened the podcast you were talking about how he'd been kind of super hyped um, and that wasn't just writers saying that that's everybody in the organization talking about how mature he was uh, for his age you know he's the youngest position player in Rockies history uh, how, how mature he was how he was going to be able to handle the ups and downs and what a terrific fielder he was or is. Uh, and it's played out, right? So so right now, um, he's doing okay. I mean, you know, Buddy Black told me last weekend, I believe it was, uh, in Buddy Black's words, he said he's holding his own. And for a rookie that young, uh, going through the baptism of fire, if you will, uh, he's holding his own, right? He's, uh, he's hitting two forty-four, and for a long time, he was either below 200 or above it. He's he's hiked uh, uh, his batting ab, average up to 244. His on-base is still only 288, so that needs some work. Uh, but he's got three homers, 22 RBIs, 15 doubles, which I believe is the same amount or more than, than Chris Bryant has. He doesn't trade tra- trail Bryant by that much, many numbers in, in home runs. And you can see that he is... An, is an exceptional fielder. I mean, there's something special about him. His arm strength, his release, his awareness, his quickness, his range, all of those things. So I don't think he was overhyped. Sure, there's some things he's not doing well. Uh, He's very, very susceptible. That breaking ball to the outside of the plate where he fishes for it, it's typically a, a slider and he gets into a mode where he swings over the top of it. That's the biggest hole in his swing. Uh, he chases high fastballs a little bit, too. Uh, but overall, after, as you mentioned, the rocky start, I think Tovar's performing pretty well. What do you think?
0: Yeah, and I considering all the expectations, considering his youth, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I mean, how he really rapidly progressed through the upper minors and really just the minors overall. I mean, once the hype started to form around him, around low a uh and definitely into high a once he got into double a it was like from he, from double a on he was pretty much proclaimed as as the next guy and a reason going back to trevor story leaving like oh well trevor story we might they might trade him he might walk well rocky's got ezekiel tovar like that was starting to be a kind of a a rationale so um I think he's performed pretty well up to that. I'm excited to see how he kind of grows you know, throughout the rest of the season. I anticipated it to be up and down. Maybe his number is not amazing. He's not certainly in the running for rookie of the year by any means, but I th- I think it's a year to build off of, and hopefully you start to get these building blocks in the lineup when Romo comes up, when Vegan comes up. Now, can you time them all together and get the starting pitching to somehow have a winning ball club? That's a whole other question, but... If you're getting at least one piece at a time, Tovar being that piece this year, it's a good sign. I'm excited to see what he can do in year two. Now, year two, next year, the expectations are going to be a little higher for him to be more consistent, cut down on those strikeouts, uh, flash that average up a little bit. But for this year, it's it's been a good growth year, especially considering how young he is.
1: I agree. And for those people who think in the line of the best shortstops in Rocky's history, Tovar is never, I don't think, is never going to be the power hitter that Tulo was. No. That's or that story. Trevor Story was. Yeah. But he's not as big as those guys. He's not as powerful. But that doesn't mean, you know, going forward, he can't be a 15 to 20 homer guy, that he can't hit 280, and he can't play a gold glove uh, brand of defense. I think all those things are possible. Um, so, uh, overall, yes, there's been bumps in the road for him for somebody so young, I think you'd expect it. And I think he's been one of the brighter spots for the Rockies, particularly lately when the club has been playing much better. Now they haven't played well the first two games in Arizona. Um, but even then, Tovar was one of the guys, few guys who was really getting some consistent hits, uh, down at Chase Field. So, uh, you know, we, we were pretty hard on Chris Bryant and maybe the reverse curse will work and he'll, he'll, uh, heat up here a little bit, and hopefully the reverse curse doesn't play Ezekiel Tovar after we just praised him. So, not that we have any of that power, but sometimes people tend to think we
0: do. You might, Patrick. And this has been the On the Rocks podcast, brought to you by Betsafe Colorado, co.betsafe.com. If your first bet loses, Betsafe will refund your bet up to $500, new customers only. Appreciate you tuning in to today's show. Come back in a couple weeks for another edition. This has been Kyle Newman alongside Patrick Saunders. Be sure to head to denverpost.com slash Rockies for continued coverage of the club. And Until next time, folks,
1: take your it easy. easy. Go Cutthroats!